Well, hello from Iris at TCR, at Sanic Christian Radio over here in the UK. I'm saying hello to everybody in the world. It's rather a nice feeling, actually. Well, today I really wanted to talk to you about the yoke of heaven. You know, we hear an awful lot about yokes and what they do and what they're meant to, to be for, especially down here where I live in farming country. But things are not always what they seem, are they? So that holds true for free vacations, expensive coffee, or just how we understand the teachings of Yeshua, that's Jesus. Teachings like this one, the yoke of heaven. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find for your souls rest. But my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's written in Matthew 11. Verse 29. I'm going to read it again because it's a nice verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, what is Yeshua saying? Christian leaders traditionally teach that Yeshua wants us to throw off the burdensome yoke of the Torah or God's instructions to Moses and Israel, as well as the traditions and the Pharisaic laws that were being placed on them, that, that they became uh, sort of rabbinic burdens, if you like. But is that what his disciples, Jesus' disciples understood from his teaching? But how then can their Hebraic perspective on the ancient yokes of Israel change your life today? Let's take a look. What is a yoke? A yoke, or in Hebrew, that's just O-L, of, that means yoke in Hebrew, is a wooden collar that is placed upon a beast of burden, such as a donkey, to turn a mill or pull a plow or to perform other work. A double yoke is used in harness, you know, to harness a team, two donkeys or other animals to combine their strength and pulling power. However, the Torah forbids yoking two different animals from two different species together. You can read that in Deuteronomy 22, verse 10. And as you can imagine, the, the imagery of, of the yoke as a tool of both servitude, teamwork, lends itself to vivid metaphors and parables throughout the Bible. This is especially true in the days of Yeshua, since Christian Tradition says that he constructed them as a carpenter would, along, along with plows. Then we have the yokes of servants and kings. To truly understand what it means to take up Yeshua's yoke, we need to look 
at the many ways that this metaphor has been used since the days of early Israel. The yoke, for instance, often illustrated servitude. The yoke of Jacob and Esau tells, it tells of, of, of um, Jacob's son, Esau, that he will serve his younger brother, Jacob. But one day he will break free of that yoke. We can read that in Genesis 27, 40. Well, the yoke has been a symbol of the authority of a ruler also. So let's take a look at that one. The yoke of a king's art tyranny. When King Solomon's son, Rehoboam, took the throne, the people asked him to lighten the burden that his father had placed on the citizens of the kingdom. Rehoboam showed them no mercy, declaring, Whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. That was in 1 Kings 12, 11. That wasn't very nice, was it? Then we have the yoke of a Pharaoh's tyranny. God likens the enslavement of the Jewish people under Pharaoh to a yoke saying uh, to Israel, Long ago, I broke your yoke and I burst your bonds, but you said, I will not serve. That's in Jeremiah 2.20. Then we have the yoke of Almighty God. The yoke is also a symbol of God's holy rule. When God saved Israel out of Egypt, he yoked his people to himself. That we are yoked to God. But how? Well, by giving them the Mosaic Covenant, which detailed how to live holy, set-apart lives, to become a minuscule copy of himself. In that covenant, he also gave Israel promises of blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. And that is in Deuteronomy 28, verse 30. The Lord said to the people, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Jeremiah 6 verse 16 refers. Israel stood at the crossroads. Prophets and priests alike cast off the yoke of God's Torah and his protection and his favour. From the least to the greatest, all turned down the road of greed and deceit. Jeremiah 6.13 refers. Moreover, the people stole and murdered and committed adultery and perjury. They burned incense to Baal and followed other gods that they did not know. Jeremiah 7 verse 9. The consequence for that rebellion is just as applicable today as it was 3,500 years ago. If we are not yoked to God, then we are yoked to the enemy. It's one or the other. The yoke that Jeremiah wore was as graphic and prophetic 
uh, as, as judgment itself, but it was, a, it was also a graphic and prophetic judgment on Israel's rebellion. God told Jeremiah to make, him, make yourself straps and yoke bars and put them on your neck, Jeremiah 27 too. He physically went out there and wore them. The yoke that Jeremiah wore was supposed to help prepare the people for the reality that one day soon all of Israel will have to put its neck under the yoke of the kings of Babylon. Jeremiah 27, verse, and I think that's verses 2 to 8 to refer on that. That graphic prophecy was fulfilled in 586 BC, when King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem along with the temple and brought many of the Jewish people to Babylon under his rule. The yoke that the people will want back, now that's another yoke, and I, write, I rather like the sound of that title. In spite of the rebellion, Jeremiah foresees a day when the people of Israel will tire of the yoke of exile and uh, will be thinking other things. For instance, let me see on this one. Just a moment, we have a technical hitch. Yeah, I just needed to check something there. The yoke that the people will want back. Let me try that again. In spite of the rebellion, Jeremiah foresees a day when the people of Israel will tire of the yoke of exile and want to take back the goodness of the yoke of God. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children will come again to their own land. And I've heard Israel saying, you disciple me severely like a calf. You Sorry, you disciplined me severely like a calf that needs training for the yoke. Turn me again to you and restore me, for you alone are the Lord my God. Jeremiah 31 verses 17 and 18. Jeremiah declares that a new covenant will be enacted in which God's yoke his instructions will be placed on the hearts of the people and the people will naturally know and desire and do it. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. Then we have the yoke of Roman tyranny. After the Jewish people returned from Babylon, they continuously lived under a foreign ruler's yoke. In the first century BC, Rome yoked itself or, to Israel, or, I mean, I was going to say it yoked Israel to itself, not the other way around, instituting heavy taxation and other regulations that placed great burdens on the Jewish people. And in AD 68, a rebellion against Rome began in Judea. And in AD 70, the Romans took siege to Jerusalem and destroyed the second temple. Now we have the yoke of the rabbis. By the time Yeshua was teaching people how to follow God, the other religious teachers of his day were adding rules and regulations beyond the Torah, making it difficult for them to follow God. Rabbis were teaching as doctrines the commandments of men, such as believing Yeshua 
should not heal on the Sabbath, or even that his hungry disciples pick grain to eat on this holy day. Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8, and Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, chapter 7, verse 7. It's quite a lot on that one. Some of the, the, the rabbinic sects have more burdens, were more burdensome than others. And their internal divisions caused great conflict in the Jewish judicial system. For instance, the Pharisaic sect of Rabbi Shemai, which dominated the high Sanhedrin court in Yeshua's day, placed highly restrictive rules upon the people, binding them. Another leading sect, the Pharisaic disciples of Rabbi Hillel were much more liberal in their decisions, releasing or loosing the people from Shemai's strict rules and punishments. As an example of this, if a man stole a beam and used it to build his house, the school of Shemai taught that the man must tear down the house that he's built and restore the beam to the owner while the school of Hillel taught that the monetary value of the beam must be repaid. Yeshua responded to man-made regulations especially those of Shemai by saying woe to you because you load, load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. That's written in Luke chapter 11, verse 46. In contrast, in these rabbinic rules, I, it has always been God's desire to bring peace, rest and freedom to his people, not burdens. Even as the people of Israel were serving the king of Babylon, God said his desire was to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. I love that one in Isaiah 58, verse six. But how would this freedom happen? The yoke of heaven, let's go back to the yoke of heaven. By the time Yeshua arrived, the Jewish people were intimately familiar with yokes. Yoke of tyrannical Israeli kings, oppressive foreign kings, cruel occupier kings, not to mention back-breaking yokes. Of, of rabbinic rules and regulations. The time had finally come for each of these yokes of iron to be cast aside and the light yoke of a holy righteous king take their place. Let's have a look and see why is Yeshua's yoke so light? Certainly it's not because following Yeshua is easy, nor did he promise anyone a rose garden in Matthew 10, 24. In fact, he promised that whoever tries to preserve his life in this world will lose it. And whoever loses his life in this world will keep it. And that's written in Luke 17, 33. A rabbinic teaching around Yeshua's time says something similar. And I'm going to quote this. Rabbi Nechunya ben Hachana said, whoever takes upon himself the yoke of Torah, from him will be taken away the yoke of government. 
and the yoke of worldly care. But whoever throws off the yoke of Torah, upon him will be laid the yoke of government and the yoke of worldly care. By holding on tight to the yoke of the world's protection and possessions, as Lot's wife did when she looked back at Sodom, we seek to preserve our lives only in the here and now, which will ultimately lead to our ruin. But grabbing hold of the yoke of Yeshua, who is the word of God, made flesh and walking in his path, we seek our heavenly eternal home with Messiah, Yeshua, as our king and our eternal hope. Yeshua's kingdom on earth began to be demonstrated with his arrival 2,000 years ago. And it continues to grow and spread with power as it covers the whole earth. To take on the yoke of Yeshua is to take on the yoke of heaven where righteousness, perfect justice and peace are the norm. Because the Sar Shalom, that means Prince of Peace, reigns as our Lord and Saviour, our Messiah, Yeshua. Now, that is rest for our souls. Jewish people are carrying heavy yokes of laws, rules, traditions that God never intended them to carry. And I'm wondering if you would help them take on the yoke of Yeshua so they may experience a peace that transcends their understanding and brings them into fellowship with the loving Father in heaven eternity. You can do that by supporting Israel because we're told that we should stand with Israel because then God will stand with us. That's our country, that's America, that's Africa, every country in the world. It's not enough just to proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior. We need to stand with Israel. And I'll leave you with this verse from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. We fix our eyes not on what, what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The yoke of heaven. It's been lovely to sit here and chat to all of you. I hope that's helped somebody today. So until the next time. Keep listening. Radio TCR is here for you. We have a lot of people on board and we're growing. We're growing hugely in the people who are coming on board to talk to you. So stay tuned, stay locked in. And over the next couple of months, you're going to maybe not see the changes, but you'll hear them. So be blessed. We'll be recording something new every day instead of every week. Bye-bye for now. This is Pastor Iris signing off, getting back to the hot desk so we can write some more just for you.